0: There is something to providing a space that is gender-specific to women that I think takes down even more barriers to running, and that's what I wanted to do. That's what I still want to do is get people who do not run at all or don't consider themselves runners to find this as a, a tool for their lifestyle.
1: Running is hard. Running is painful. Running can be your enemy, but running can be a meditation, an obsession, your life. For anyone that has tried running for fitness or runs marathons on a regular basis, we know that there's a reason we first tried it out. And for those who stick with it, there becomes purpose. But then what happens when you give yourself to running, when it becomes a huge part of your life and your identity? over years and miles through injuries and changes in your personal life, does that purpose remain the same? Can we still run with the same sheer joy or drive? In this episode, we're going to discover another type of runner's high and how running can be a key to unlock so much more in wellness. Our second guest, an art therapist, marathoner, coach, and founder of the Girls Run NYC crew, Jesse Zappo. The show is called In Motion. I'm your host, Daniel. Let's go. hey and welcome to our second episode when i drew up a short list of people i wanted to speak to for this project today's guest was right at the top jesse zappo is quite literally a pioneer in the urban running crew movement which has kind of happened organically amidst this explosion of interest in the sport in recent years this diy culture of running training and partying has evolved with many of the originators still working constantly to try something new Explore the possibilities of the sport and the positive impact it can have in wellness and mental health, all while still building community. Jessica Zappotechni has been in New York City for about 15 years. By trade, she works with people to teach the power of art and creativity and how it can influence your life. And as we'll hear in 2005, in the early days of social media, Jessica Zappotekni became Jesse Zappo, almost an alter ego, carving up the streets of New York with her friends. Jesse joined up with Bridge Runners in that same year, running with the crew for years. In 2012, Jesse was part of a team that created Bridge the Gap, a meet-up with members of London's Rundem crew, Paris Running Club, Enbro from Copenhagen, and others. It's now a huge global family, with dozens of crews meeting up for race weekends around the world. She later left the crew to form Black Roses with Knox Robinson, which started as kind of an experiment in pairing structured training with the Urban Canvas and Lifestyle. And about two years ago, Jesse launched her own women's training crew in Brooklyn. In getting to know Jesse, I've learned an entirely new philosophy on racing. The feelings PR, if you will. Something I call on now every race. Trying to take in the positives of the entire experience over just pace and results. Those epic cheering sections at races often make it easier for most of us. I was recently in New York City for the Red Hook Crit, a fixed-gear bike race in Brooklyn with a cult following. And on the morning of race day, I met up with Jessie for breakfast to talk about her new focus on coaching and women's running and what motivates her to keep running for herself. Here is our conversation. I hope you enjoy. We're here in Fort Greene in Brooklyn. This is a Red Hook Crit weekend. I've come down from Toronto Um, for a race I've always wanted to do it's the 10th anniversary so big bike races tonight also women's and men's 5k races Um, I spent the morning riding from Soho over to Brooklyn to meet with a woman I've known for a long time on social media and was lucky to meet a few years years ago in person um, Jessie Zappo I mean we're sitting on her stoop hanging out morning Jessie
0: good morning Daniel
1: how are you feeling about um, the race tonight? You just did the Boston Marathon, but you're, you're going you're gonna to race again tonight?
0: I am, although I guess I like to say run <laughs> because I feel like it's not going to be super racy for me. Um, but yes, I am running this race tonight with 13 other girls from my running group, Girls Run.
1: So that brings another element to racing, I guess, when you've got to organize all those people and motivate them in the same vein. How special will it be this year? there's is probably, I mean, a big turnout for your, your crew.
0: Yes. So um, initially we had one person registered to run this race a week ago, and I'd been pumping it up for girls at our workouts each week, trying to get pull together five people to do a team. Um, but everybody was really hesitant to sign up they were pretty um afraid of running it because of the the myth around the red hook crit of it being super scary um so I'm actually really excited to have 13 women running because we were able to pull together all those women in the last week um so it's a big deal Red Hook Crit as an event is a really special event to be a part of. Um, I've been going to it for a number of years, almost since the beginning. Um, I've known the race director for a long time, and so um, it's, it's exciting to be a part of it. And also to see how far it's come since the beginning.
1: And I even heard last night, um, you're part of that myth you... You once ran the race, the 5K running race, and then rode the CRIT bike race, fixed gear, track bike.
0: Yes, that is true. However, I did not last very long in the actual cycling portion of the race. Um, Back when I initially entered the bike part, um, David Trimble was trying to get more women to do it because women were afraid of the bike aspect. Um for good reason it's really fast it's kind of sketchy and there's it's known to be a course that people crash on um so i i did train a bit up to doing it and went out um and made a couple laps before i got lapped off the course but um it was probably the most exciting and scary thing that i've ever done so
1: you were in the race at least so so that's good
0: that's true um I I definitely felt like you know doing something like that was um one kind of like hopefully opening up the door for other people to say hey like I could do that if she's doing it um and two just to push myself to do something that I never thought that I would do and that kind of like opens up other doors for me
1: I want to want to touch on go back and touch on something you just said about um, the intimidating factor. You have been involved in in sort of the running community for 12 years. You've been in New York City, right? Um, and we were a ri- originator in in Bridge Runners and then Black Roses, right? And then have have branched out to do um, Girls Run at NYSC. Is part of what you do? Have you found a role for yourself and being able to inspire and push and coach other women? Is that sort of why you're focused on women's running now?
0: I would say that's a piece of why uh, women's running is important to me. It it always was from my early days in bridge runners. Um, I, showing up and being one of the only girls um, out there, I was actually not, intimidated by it because the guys were so nice to me they like really wanted like girls to show up and and I also have five brothers and um, my dad was you know super active um, person and so we grew up playing sports all of the time so um, I would say I was intimidated by a traditional running group which might be like Central Park track club Um, but I wasn't intimidated by these guys who did not look like runners who were getting together to run. And so when I showed up, I think they were kind of stoked to have, um, a girl be a part of it, um, because I think there weren't a lot of women that were, that felt comfortable. And so then for me, it was always about like trying to recruit more women to come out and do it. And so from the beginning, I was always interested in like new runners because I felt like, um, I felt non-traditional as a distance runner, and I was always interested in, like, getting women out. And so that's remained consistent for me. Um, when we started Black Roses, that was a goal, was to really create um, a training environment for non-traditional runners, and I wanted to focus on women. Um, and then after doing that project for two years, um, I, I knew that I just wanted to focus on women. That was a co-ed space, um, which was cool, but there there is something to providing a space that is gender-specific to women that I think takes down even more barriers to running, and that's what I wanted to do. That's what I still want to do, is get people who do not run at all or don't consider themselves runners um, to find this as a, a tool for their lifestyle, um, and I think I... I'm at the place in my life where running is an integral part of my life. It's like a part of my wellness routine. Um, And so I don't consider myself just a runner, but I consider running like something that I do just like drinking tea in the morning or like, you know, uh, meditating or writing or, you know, making art. Like it's all a part of like this kind of lifestyle.
1: You're the oldest of eight kids, that's right. And you originally come from, from Ohio and then you went to Michigan before you came to New York. I learned some fifteen years ago. How long um has running been sort of that integral part of your life? Um and and where when did you start running?
0: Um well it's funny because I initially I used to say, Oh, well, I became a runner when I started running with bridge runners. Um and I think that was probably when I first identified myself as a runner using that like label, um, but at, over the years when I was, different people were kind of asking me, well, when did you start running? The truth is um, that would have been in sixth grade, and so I did track and field um, from sixth grade on through high school and was a sprinter um, and spent a lot of time on the track, and after high school um would always run on my own just uh for wellness either for fitness or for my own mental health um and so by the time i made it to bridge runners in whatever 2005 i already had a running practice in my life for probably a good 12 years um so the truth is i guess i've been running since i was you know before a teenager um, but it's always been evolving, so it's it wasn't that I identifi really identified myself as a runner until I was in my twenties, late twenties.
1: And is that when you started marathoning when you went with Bridge Runners, sort of a more uh, was there I mean maybe not a structured plan, but was there any pressure to sort of start racing in that community and get involved in marathons? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Actually, there was really no pressure at all to race. Um, It was all about, like, the excitement of doing it. And I think that um, for me, going out with them, it was, like, the first time I ever ran over, like, three miles. And that was a barrier that I'd had for years, which is that three miles. I felt like that was a crazy distance to run. And then the first run I went... On with them we ran four miles so I was like okay well we've already blown like my three mile barrier out of the water on the first day and then it was like every run after that felt like a discovery for me and so I remember getting a bib to the very first um, New York City half marathon which at the time was um, being put on by the brand that sponsored bridge runners and um, And so I got the bib and I was like, oh, okay. I guess I'm going to run this half marathon. And I'd only been running with them for like a month or two. And I'd only ran six miles. And but they were like, yeah, you could totally do it. Like, of course, if you run six miles, you can definitely do it. And I was like, oh, okay. I can do it. And so I went out and ran it. And um, not knowing that that probably was not the appropriate amount of training to do. But I, you know, I did it, enjoyed it. And it just felt, those first years of running distance, um, everything felt exciting. And everything that they did was kind of exciting. It was like breaking these stereotypes, because we'd show up to races and people were like, what the hell, like, who are these people? Um, Running was not popular back then, so we were kind of really stood out as different. Um, I remember showing up to some of those races it had already started and we were like in a cab on the way there because we had to break into the, one of our runner's apartments to wake him up because he'd been out all night like at the club and so we like got to the race the gun had already gone off and so we started all the way in the back and we just spent the entire race like just trying to get to like where our actual pace was um, those were like early early running experiences but um, yeah I, I never felt like pressure it was always more like encouragement
1: and after a while though in in Bridge Runners um you and you and Knox first run announced that you were you were going to start Black Roses because you wanted to create more of a structured training program is that right
0: yes um that's true and also I had been with Bridge Runners at that point I think almost seven years and so um you know, through that process, I think I saw all of the things I loved about it. And then I saw all of the things that I personally wanted to do differently. And, um, I had had the experience that year and the year prior of training a few women from bridge runners to do the San Francisco women's marathon. And so the experience of training these women from um, basically just reg- regular running or maybe zero running to up to a marathon. Um, I really enjoyed that process. Um, and so that became the kind of foundation for what Black Roses was going to be, um, was to really give a training to maybe the non-traditional runner. Um, so, yeah.
1: And now you're... A certified coach as well. You've started Girls Run NYC, training women there. You've even said you may launch your own coaching program um, and make it more a job for you, almost. How has that process been, and what's the response been like for that?
0: Yes, so I'm a, an art therapist in my um, trade, and I've been an art therapist for 12, approximately 12 years now, Um, And so I've been working on a type of art therapy and running program that I'm going to be rolling out um, this spring. And so with Girls Run, um, I think I've incorporated a little more of kind of wellness practices into the work that I do with them. So um, it's... Actually, pretty different than what we were doing with Black Roses. Girls Run um, is an open workout that is happens every Wednesday. It's open to any woman who wants to show up, any age. Um, we've had girls as young as 13 come out, and we have women who run with us who are upwards in their 40s. Um, and basically, I teach sustainability in running and so i use the track as a foundation for um talking about learning how to um run with a proper form talking about strength training and how um you can do strength work plyometrically um around the track that can actually increase your um speed but also your ability to run in a form that is sustainable for, um, you know, long distance running. And so it's more that I'm kind of giving people building blocks and tools, um, that they can then apply to either some form of running or if they are an endurance runner, apply that to that, or if they are new to running, kind of introduce, um, running culture to them. And so, We do this track-based workout weekly, um, but we also host other events. Um, So I've done some workshops where we've gotten together, done a run, and then have like an art therapy activity after the run and food. Um, So it's been really about kind of talking about running as a piece of a wellness lifestyle um, versus it being a running club where everything is around like training and performing um and that's I think that's more the direction that I'm moving in as a professional
1: and in art therapy I guess you work so much in trying to give people that tool to do something with their lives just improve themselves or or to work it into their lives and was that just a natural thing working that into running as well where I mean perhaps Perhaps you're just trying to show people that running can do something else for them.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I think for me, I, when I moved to New York, it was to study art therapy. Um, And so I was here as a grad student and working like seven days a week to try to live here and then also be in school. And it was that I started running as part. Um, part of my own like self-care while I was in grad school and so I kind of had like a this like split life where I spent all day um, doing art therapy and studying about art therapy and then at night I would uh, I actually bartended at the time so I was like going out and being a part of this nightlife and the two didn't really fit together. They're kind of two separate aspects of me. And so when I got into running um, with Bridge Runners, it was like providing this stress relief and outlet for me um, from the being in my head all day as a therapist. And so just after a number of years, I kind of felt like I lived these two different lives. And even Jesse Zappo as a, like a name for me was that I had created this, um, this is when social media started, (laughs) because I'm a pre-social media person, so I created my Facebook profile, my little sister helped me do it, and I made it Jesse Zappo because I didn't want it to be connected to my professional identity as a therapist, Um, and so in the running community, everyone, like, knew me as Jesse Zappo. And then as a therapist, people knew me as Jessica Zapotecni. And so then I start. it was almost like I had these two different identities, but the truth is that I feel that the two actually feed each other. And so um, it's always been me kind of thinking about, okay, how am I going to merge the two pieces of my life, which is me as a, this therapist and me as this runner or this coach And so that's kind of what I'm doing now with um, what I'm doing with Girls Run and what I will be doing with my private practice, which is really bringing art and running together um, because they've always for me, they've always fed each other. And I think that they do connect um, in general and actually right now in running, I think a lot of people are really looking at this aspect of like creativity, like being a creator um, and then also being an athlete. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I see the two
1: people that look up to you in the, in the running world, um, who have been around for a long time in the urban sort of crew movement or just getting into running. Um, I mean, they probably take a lot of things from you and they're learning how to race and learning how to work running into their lives. What about you? Are you able to um, enjoy running in the same way that, that you did before, just the, the sheer love of, of going out. Do you run that way, or is it always in leading a group or leading a coaching session? Do you just go out and run?
0: Mm, I do. So, that was another thing for me with starting this girls' um, project is that when I came out of Black Roses, I was, um, you know, spending three nights a week uh, coaching that group. And then every other night planning it or processing it or talking about it. And so that was like two years of a really intense project that was like fully submerged in training other people. Um, and so when I came out of that, um, it kind of really opened up a lot of space for me to say, okay, what do I like about running? What is it that I get from running? And the first thing that I did when I came out of that was really, like, re-assess, like, my relationship to running. And I had to start kind of with the building blocks, which was going out and running alone for one to two miles. Um, And I I started by making that a daily practice. And I basically told myself, all right, you're just going to get up go out, do 12 to 15 minutes of running and come back and start your day. And, um, I was feeling really burnt out at that time. And I was feeling like a little bit jaded by, um, this idea of like the running, running being super popular and it being kind of like all over social media, but also not really knowing if people were getting the right message. Like I I had a lot of Questions about it at that time. And so getting back into my own practice of running by myself, which I had not done for a number of years, was really, um, really healthy for me. And it was challenging because there's a real difference to running alone and then like coaching other people or leading a group or even just being a part of someone else's group. Um, and so now I actually run by myself probably. At least three to four runs a week. um, And then run with others, like, at least twice a week, maybe more. Um, And that's been great because I think it's given me a little bit more of a balance. Um, I recently trained for a marathon alone, which is, like, the first time I've done that in God knows long, or maybe ever. Um, And I loved that experience because it was really hard, Um, and so it was like a new challenge for me to like figure out how to do that and hold myself accountable. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, if you want running to be like a part of your life forever, which is what I want, that's what I try to coach is like how to make it sustainable so that you don't ever have to give it up. So it's not a trend or a fad, um, that it's always going to evolve. And so it kind of depends on where you're at in your life. Um, But I also love that it's always been there for me in some shape or form.
1: And the training you were talking about, that was for the most recent Boston Marathon, is that right? Yes. And how did that go?
0: Um, I think it went really well considering um, I didn't do the type of training that I, like, envisioned myself to do um I I ran pretty low mileage I tend to run frequently but lower miles um and so I wasn't really sure how I was going to feel on race day and there's a lot of like anxiety around it being the biggest stage in the world and running for a major brand as an ambassador and having eyes on me I was like okay you know there's a lot of added pressure, um, but at the end of the day, uh, the type of the reason why I was running it and the reason why people were watching me was not about like, oh, how fast are you gonna run, or are you gonna like, you know, blast a PR or anything. Is actually more that people are just about celebrating, like women's running, which is what I kind of champion. And so people were just super supportive of me all along the way. Um, and I felt that, you know, in the race, I felt it, um, from all of my friends, um, people that were like sending me well wishes and I just really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, it was hot, which is always a challenge to like stay hydrated for that long. But, um, I think that's the type of race in my experience, cause I ran it last year, it's a type of race that you have to give everything. You're not going to just cross the finish line easily. You have to give everything. And I felt that I did that, and that's a really great feeling.
1: Not necessarily in in the time, though, right? Just right. giving your whole self to the race.
0: Yes. giving One, giving your whole self to the race, because they drive you 26 miles away from the center of town. And so even if you... My friend was saying that he like considered stopping at one point, and then he was like... If I do, how am I even going to get back to town? Like, he was like, I don't even know how I would get back. So I might as well just keep running. Um, So there's that aspect. And then there's also, you know, the aspect of the fact that it's so prestigious to even be there um, that you're like, oh, like, I have to give it my all because this is, you know, it's a real honor to be out on this course and then on top of that, I was running, I ended up being running like near Katherine Switzer, who is like the first woman to officially run it. And so then there's there, there's that, where you're like, Katherine Switzer is running it, and she's in her 70s, and she's like out here, like being a badass. So I need to do that. And then people are watching. And then also, it's just physically challenging. It's like rolling hills the entire way, which I like. I like hills. Um but you know, it takes a toll. Um, and so, yeah, I just found that last year and this year, the last mile was like the longest mile of your life. (laughs) And you turn the corner, um, and you see the finish line and it's still so far away. It's like, it feels like it's three quarters of a mile away. You turn, you think you're going to turn the corner and it's going to be right there, but it's actually, it's there, you can see it, and you've got to run for a while before you get there. So, yeah.
1: What was it like passing uh, Catherine Switzer? I mean, she's the woman that got pushed off the course 50 years ago, first woman to run Boston. You saw her in the race. What what kind of feelings does that give you?
0: So I the funny thing is that I only just saw her literally at the finish line, because um, I think I crossed like a minute after her. And so I just looked over, and she was, like, being swarmed by um, media, and I was like, oh, my God, if I had just run a little faster, I would have been able to just run alongside Katherine Switzer. What would that have been like? Um, but but actually the reality was I, I thought, wow, I, like, literally ran in her footsteps in this race, which is pretty rad because, you know, the last couple of years – I had been telling her story to other women. I think it was like international women's day, like two or three years ago where we had a group of 150 women came out for the run and I was telling her story and talking about what it meant to be, um, you know, like a woman pioneer in sport. And so then like actually running behind her, like realizing we're in the same race at the same time, um, was just like i don't know when would you ever get to do that like so it seems so special
1: i was with you a few years ago i guess maybe the fall of 2015 at a marathon in pennsylvania in in lehigh and i learned from something from you that weekend that i that i still sort of practice i mean i'm one of those people probably the the type a that still pushes myself and want it, wants to get a good time every time the, the gun goes off. And, um, but have in working in, in mindfulness mindfulness in my life and, and trying to rediscover the reason I like running, I always think of, of your idea of the, the feelings PR. So n- no matter what happens on the race, you're, um, you come out feeling uh, the best you possibly can from a race experience.
0: Yes. Um, I love that we shared the feelings PR. That was such a great weekend. Um, actually that was a really wonderful marathon Lehigh and feelings PR kind of came out of um, black roses uh, years where we talked about, you know, having multiple goals um, that were not always time related. And we also talked about um, how you can finish a race and feel incredible, even if it wasn't your, Uh, PR, or even if you don't physically feel amazing, um, the actual like experience, maybe kind of emotionally attached to running can often be, um, better than actually hitting a time goal or missing a time goal. And so we kind of tied the feelings PR into, um, the idea of training and racing because especially, If you're training people who are not all sub-elite or elite athletes, um, you know, you've got to give people, like, other reasons to race other than, like, going for time. Because you're not always going to shave time off. Um, And especially if you're doing lots of different races, you're not, every race is not going for time. So the feelings PR is really more about, um, you know, enjoying the experience. Even if you're not necessarily uh, physically enjoying it, you may have felt like you gave it your all. You know, you you left everything out on the course and you feel good about that. Um, or you ran it with your friend, you had a nice pace together and you just felt this camaraderie, like, while you were running. Um, I remember in Lehigh, I ran... I came out to run, and I didn't really know a lot of you guys from Parkdale, um, but you guys like embraced me um, as one of your own. And nobody knew I was racing it; they thought I was just coming out to cheer because I kind of kept it low key. And then, like the night of, when I put my bib out on the laydown, people were like, "What? You're running? You're actually running tomorrow?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yeah, I am." Um, and so I ended up starting the race with Caitlin Davey who was my roommate she let me stay in her room when we were um, out there in Lehigh and we were like hey you know let's just we'll start together and then like see how we feel and if you feel good keep going if I feel good keep going you know there's no attachments you don't have to stay together and we ended up running the entire race together and just had such a great experience and I think part of it was you know, we had a good vibe that we would have connected as people, anyways. Um, but meeting each other through the race experience was kind of really unique, um, and actually staying together and, and enjoying it. So we both were like, "Yes, this is a feelings PR." Um, so yeah.
1: How important is that sort of community vibe now that I mean, you're you have the support of a big. Um, shoe brand. I mean, I saw your um, face on a side of a store on, on Houston Street. Um, so people recognize you. But you, you came from this, this urban running crew movement and actually were part of Putting together the first sort of bridge the gap as it's called between random Crew in London and Charlie Dark and Bridge Runners here, which has become this explosion of of urban running crews. Every city seems to have a, a crew of young, cool, tattooed people that are that are doing all these things, but it's still an intimidating thing for people to, to come out to because they think they need to run fast or they need to have the right shoes on and, and all that stuff. How important is that community aspect of it um, to you still?
0: Yeah. Um, well, I think that, you know, I recently went to a bridge the gap in DC that district running collective put on, um, which was awesome. Like it's, it's cool to see like the next generations of run crews. Cause I, I feel like there are at this point, like two, three generations since the original ones that came out. And so it was nice to see, um, the next generation, like, really embracing this idea of, like, community building through running. Um, especially, like, DRC is a great example. Like, they're they are so, you know, about their community and they're about D.C. And, um, and so going there, I felt like this is what it's about. You go to their city and you get the D.C. experience. Like, not as a tourist, but as, like, a local and as a part of their crew. And everyone's, like, warm and welcoming and, like, takes you in for the same reason that you and I are speaking because you guys Parkdale were so like warm and welcoming, um, to other crews. And that's kind of what it's about is like creating this network, um, of people who have one thing in common or they probably have a lot of things in common, but the one thing in common is they're coming together to run. And, um, also I think it's really important for me to be a part of Bridge the Gap was interesting because it's like a very male-dominated community. Um, and for me to be kind of one of the only women leaders, um, I felt like it was important and it also often brought up a lot of conflict um, in, in what I saw as like not being necessarily always inclusive um, to women. Um, And so for me, like now having this like women's running group, I feel like we like it's great that all groups are different and they should all be different. They should all be like unique to their own like community and where they're from and how they run. And um, and that would be I would encourage people like if you're going to start a crew, like make your crew about you. Like don't you don't have to like duplicate other people, what other people are doing
1: so many of those those crews cruise- Still work organically, I guess. They they all the ones that are successful seem to to have their own uh, vibe. They do their own thing. Like Parkdale, it's 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 a different group than any other one. I mean, I met you at the the bridge the gap event that we held in, in, in Toronto for the Toronto Marathon, and probably three hundred people showed up. But I remember seeing you in front of the restaurant for the the like the pasta dinner before the race, and I was like, I know this woman. I follow her on social media. I, I feel like I know something about her, but we've never actually met. um, in person but I have this idea that you don't really get to know people like you can in the running community where you sweat with them and you put yourself on the line a little bit and there it's a more sort of intimate connection between people do you you find that
0: yes 100% Um, which is why you know I think the social media aspect is really interesting because and I always remark on this and feeling it in boston too where you're coming together with people that you feel like you have strong connections with because you do see each other a lot on social media but you actually don't see each other in real life hardly ever um that's incredible like that you are developing these like friendships that do transcend social media um and that actually social media helps you to maintain like bonds with each other and, but I do think like the actual experience of being together and running together is what kind of solidifies real friendships. And so um, these Bridge the Gap events are so special because that is what really forges the bonds between people. Um, and also, social media can be like, you know, a lot of it can be misleading at times um and you may have a perception of someone that is wrong and then you meet them in real life and you realize that like maybe they're like way more down to earth than you thought or they're like an incredible person with so much to give that you would have never known um and so i think like that for me in person is always the most important aspect um and that's why i also don't do like i don't like to do virtual runs or like virtual running groups stuff like that like i really prefer like this is our this is what we're doing this is our experience come out and experience it with us
1: and so a little bit of that will be tonight for the red hook crit 5k 13 women from girls run nyc um gonna be there uh what's your race strategy
0: Yes. So the race strategy is, one, to try to stay calm um, because the environment there is so electric. Um, And you'll, this is your, is this your first?
1: My first uh, Red Hook. I just, it looks so good. I had to come experience it.
0: Amazing. All right. So my recommendation is the energy, and it also has a lot to do with the cycling aspect because the cycling guys are like, so aggro like that world is just so different um but i love it and so really kind of like keeping your energy contained like i was talking about this recently as a pre-race strategy especially in boston is like you have to go and then wait for this race to start and in the waiting process anxiety can burn off so much energy and so, how do you like maintain your core of energy without like wasting it on like nerves? Um, and so, recommendation is actually to get there early and like find a quiet place to kind of like chill, get yourself centered. That way, you don't feel like you're running a ragged, trying to like find the start line. Um, and then, warm up obviously, we talked about that, it's essential. Um, for us, for the girls, I know there's a few people who really want to race it. Um, and I am going to support them in doing that. And then there's a few people that are literally do not know what they're doing. They've never done this before. And so, um, I'm going to have like a race pack and we talk about running like pack running, um, when we do track training which is that you can share energy and also um, people who are, like, pace leading can kind of give you the energy and you can just, like, run off of that. So the goal is that myself and two captains are going to be holding a pack together and then if people want to link on to that, they can.
1: I love going to these events. I mean, as we said, I've never been to Red Hook and I'm looking forward to that electric atmosphere. But having gone to big events myself where there's more people cheering from the the community of run groups and and, and the urban running community um, than there are in the race can be so exciting to the point where I think I like cheering as much as I like running sometimes it's a it's a weird thing I ran the Berlin Marathon last fall and there was hundreds of people in the in in the cheering squad and that energy is is so essential and I don't know I always look forward to that that the cheer squad they call it does does that does that help you do you like being on both sides
0: so I, initially I was going to be the cheer squad, um, until like a week ago. And so, yes, I love, I love, um, leading a good cheer squad. I'm like dedicated to, you know, bringing people together for that. Cause it is so powerful, especially because, um, everybody has a role, you know, like not everybody has to be out racing, um, so yeah, like this in particular, I've spectated for many many years, um, on both the cycling and running part, and actually haven't done the running part in a long time. So I think, yeah, like this is like one of the best races to spectate.
1: Oh, it's going to be good. So this this will come out after that race, so we'll we'll, we'll definitely uh, let you let you know how how it all goes. For you though, Jesse, I, I feel. With the way you 've worked running into your life and it, that movement is such an essential part of your identity, even I feel that you need to run to set the example Other, over cheering so you i mean it's it's maybe it 's better that you are running no matter what shape or mindset you 're in
0: yeah, I think so, and um, I think i <laughs> That is kind of my my mo is leading by example, and so especially once once I realized that um, women were like pretty intimidated to run, I I knew that I needed to to you know step in and do the run because I actually didn't want to. I was very happy with the idea of like coaching the girls and cheering. Um, but I think it, I am probably better suited to be out there running and uh, helping, helping, you know, change the perception, too, that this, is, this race is only for elites.
1: Yeah, fair enough. I guess we talked about the intimidating factor of sort of putting yourself out there because this is a kind of looks like a Formula One course where it's five kilometers and there's four laps of this big looped course. So you're going to see people over and over again and you kind of worry about people seeing where you are in the, in the race if you're first or last. But I guess the point is um, about the community and just getting out there and, and, and having fun.
0: Exactly. Um, it, it is tonight going to be about going out there and having fun setting the tone um and just you know being a part of that experience
1: jesse thanks so much for this we're, we're sitting on jesse's stoop right now it's early afternoon on a saturday before red hook crit it is really really warm we're just drinking electrolyte water trying to get ready for tonight but um jesse hope to see you in toronto soon thanks so much for this
0: thank you daniel have a great race tonight
1: and you good luck thank you If you want to connect with Jesse, check out her website, jessiezappo.com, or at jessiezappo and at girlsrunnyc, both on Instagram and on Twitter. Jessie calls herself a documentarian, always capturing her daily experiences, art, run crew meetups, matcha lattes, trips to Rockaway Beach for tacos. Yep, it's all there. The queen of the Instagram story. Oh, and I bet you're wondering how the Red Hook crit went. Jessie and her crew stuck together for much of the race. It was pretty powerful to watch the women running in a pack for the four laps of the race course. In the men's race, the support from all the Bridge to Gap crews and cyclists and the mass of people that were there was incredible. Very emotional. If you follow me on Instagram at Daniel Blether, you'll know I quite enjoyed that race. Check out at Red Hook Crit and at Red Hook Crit 5K for the photos and recap of an event that should be on your race calendar for 2018 and beyond, if only to watch the unbelievably fast women and men's bike races, redhookcrit.com. That's it for this episode. Twitter and Instagram at Minutes in Motion, where I will post previews of the shows and portraits of the guests. My special thanks to Mark Thibodeau, Toronto musician and producer, who helped me translate the ideas in my head to make all the music and themes you hear through the show. Mark, part of the group Repair at Repair Band Toronto on Facebook and Repair-Lab.com, where you can hear some tracks. Thank you as well to my dear friend and audio technician, Lou Romero, for her sage advice on the mix for this show. In Motion is written, recorded, and produced by me, Daniel Bache. I'm still looking for sponsors to help me take this project further. Get in touch. Also send your questions and feedback to inmotionradio and gmail.com. So until next time, keep moving. I hope to see you out there on the streets. Bye-bye.